Hello, good people. Welcome to The Chris Stefanik Show, the show that helps you find the joy that God made you for in the midst of everyday life. Don't miss us every week as we dive into real issues with real people and answer real questions. God bless you. What's up, guys? I have nothing planned today. I have no idea what I'm going to say, though that is actually the plan. Uh, today, I was talk- talking to uh, my director of operations up- upstairs at Real Life Catholic, uh, Mary, and she's like, you know, someday I want to interview you on your show and not let you see the questions I have planned ahead of time. And as she said that, it struck me, that must be terrifying for people. And you know, every time I have a guest on, I don't let them see the questions that I haven't, like, they try to look, I'm like, no, 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 because I want it to come out naturally. So, uh, we're letting you determine the questions this time. I just want to be here for live Q&A. A lot of times, you guys, questions come in. Uh, we, I, I tell you every time we're going to make time for your questions, and we often fail to because I get so engrossed in the conversation with the guest. This time it's just you. Going to answer your questions. We're going to dig up questions that have come in that we haven't answered before. A couple of video questions came in, and we'll be taking questions live. Love you. Thanks for being with us. Okay, so the, the number to text your questions in, 720-650-0100. 720-650-0100. We're going to go over questions that have come in previously, but we're also here just to take questions to to bust in on those just live right now. Before we go to the questions, I just wanted to share what I was doing last weekend. I was at the Napa conference, and it was awesome. And it's kind of a tough conference for a lot of people to get to. Thankfully, the whole thing is online. If you just Google, uh, I guess, I don't know, Catholic Napa conference, you're going to find it. There's a login. It's, it's like it's 29 bucks or something like that, and you could just you could see all the talks. Uh, but a couple highlights for me at this conference, I wanted to share them with you because it just it bolstered my faith. Uh, one was getting to bring Natalie with me and uh, just share her with the world. We shared our testimony at that conference. I don't think they recorded that one. Uh, I got to share my own story of, of healing that you've seen on this show a couple times, but I really took a deep dive into that. That one is definitely on their, on their recordings. After my talk, Monsignor Shea, dude, okay, when you download these, you got to get Shea's talk. He's the, uh, the president of, of um, Mary in North Dakota. And he talked all about what's going on in the church. And sometimes we look at the, the stuff that's going on in the church, it's bad, and we kind of are tempted to lose hope. The reality is it has actually always been this way, that the church finds herself in different eras and takes on the problems and the poisons and the diseases of humanity in that era. But here's the beautiful thing. Shade talked about how Jesus took on all the disease of humanity on the cross and then won. And the church, the body of Christ on earth today, takes on all the diseases. Whatever's going on in culture, you're going to start to find infecting the church. And the beauty of the story of the saints is that the saints are the antibodies. And it builds up the church in strength as it pushes back on these evils. And the church gets stronger and stronger, even as it's, as it's ripped down more and more mystically through the course of time. So those are a couple highlights for me. But another strange highlight at the Napa Conference, um, some people showed up during this beautiful event Outside on the lawn, uh, I think, was, I think uh, there was there was a great talk, and and they just showed up, and I don't I don't know how they knew about the conference. I guess it's kind of a high profile conference in that that area, and they were outside with megaphones on the street, screaming, "My body, my choice," and you know it's a kind of amazing how the far left engages people in debates. They don't engage by actually engaging. I mean, I, you can see a, 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 a playbook for this in Genesis 19 uh, when there's people outside of Lot's house, and Lot has guests in the house, and the people in Sodom outside the house 
were demanding that the men come outside so they could sleep with them, and just screaming and demanding. There was no dialogue, obviously. They wanted their sin. And when the response was no, outside it turned from demanding to accusation that, oh, you're going to play the judge of us now? So this instant, constant flip-flop from attack to victim to attack to victim. And so I wasn't really surprised to see the devil's playbook is not very very big. He just keeps repeating it in each generation because we don't have to live that long. Uh, But outside, screams and chants. And my first gut response was, I want to go out there and take some of those megaphones and throw them. Just, just shove into the person's face doing this. Like, dude, you're not going to stop us from talking about our faith and living it out. Uh, but, and I think a lot of people had that, that first instant gut response. Uh, and it's kind of liberating, honestly, when people show up and they're like, no, 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 no. Let's not beat around the bush. We hate you. Okay. I don't have to pretend. I don't have to try to be liked because you just hate me. And by the way, it's not them hating us, it's them hating Jesus. This is about our Lord and them, right? This is why we should never take it personally when people are in our, in our face about the faith. It's every soul's battle with the Lord. So we've got to approach this stuff prayerfully. But I could just see there's a, a beautiful wave of grace came upon the room. And instead of getting up and shouting back, which was the, the first response, uh, check out. I, I took out my phone and filmed the response of the crowd. Check this out. Isn't that awesome? That was, and during that, the protesters went away. Now, there was people who went out and silenced them too, security, stuff like that. But you know what? Some people think like we have to attribute that, well, was that God doing that or people? We're secondary causes, right? God is the ultimate cause of things. I think timings of things that happen like that, it's like, okay, thank you, Lord, for whatever you orchestrated through human beings to bring about peace during that song. There's people who are chanting, who are disrupting the whole event. It was over when the song was done. Ave Maria. Man, I love being a Catholic. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and Bill Barr, the, uh, the Attorney General, was, was actually gave a presentation at, at the Napa conference. And he said a beautiful line I'll never forget that was driven home by the people outside screaming. He said, your legacy doesn't matter because you're dead. You're not going to care about your legacy when you're dead, right? So what people think about you, whether it's the far left or the far right in the church, it doesn't matter. you got to start obsessing about what this guy thinks about you when you make decisions, when you take a stand. Amen. Let's get to some questions. Anna asks, what are some ways we can evangelize online, and is that something we should be doing? Anna, uh, much of my life is evangelizing online. I'm doing it right now. So I think you should be doing it. But we're supposed to go into, into the places that people are. And guys, this is where people are. They're online. All right, so we have to go meet people there. I, it, this is a delicate line for me as a Catholic because real life actually doesn't happen online, right? Real life is all around you. And if you lose the balance and you think, I'm going to be a, a digital evangelist, uh, you could easily get sucked into the whole, that whole uh, 
vortex of online universe and think like this is everything that there is and people aren't bringing their best selves forward to you online, all right? So you should evangelize online and share your message, but when it comes, you know, three comments down into the debates and people attacking you, because they're attacking you in ways that they wouldn't in public, uh, I think a lot of that, the dialogue, is not the most fruitful online. That's been my experience. Evangelize online, drop the truth bombs, and move on without caring all that much about what people think about you. Great question. And, and do, you know, another thing to do, guys, when it comes to evangelizing online, we, we produce these kinds of resources like this show to make it as easy for you as clicking share. You don't have to think about how to do it. Uh, my apostle at Real Life Catholic, reallifecatholic.com, or my, you can look at my Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube, and all this stuff, and just, I'm constantly producing short videos for you to share. Everything on, on Formed and the Augustine Institute. There's so much truth in here, guys. You, you know, maybe make a commitment. I'm, I'm going to share one clip a day through my social media, right? That's how the gospel reaches outside of people who are inside of uh, my bubble. Okay, Lisa says, Father Peter looks exactly like how I picture St. Peter looked when Jesus invited him to follow him. That is a beautiful comment. I'm for sure going to tell Father Peter, Peter that. <laughs> That's awesome. Brian asks, when in history was the world a... By the way, the Father Peter thing. I'm, I'm going to rewind for a second here. Uh, a lot of people don't know this, even people watching this right now. Uh, the Augustine Institute Forum set up a beautiful page to look at my show. Hey, talking to my earbud, what is the URL for this show? So people can go see all the past episodes. And I recommend the one with Father Peter where we're talking about the morality of weed. Uh, and, and even though the church, the, the catechism doesn't say straight up, like, don't smoke weed. Right? There's a, he, we had incredible insights about the spirituality of this and living in real life, life to the full. So, okay, they're talking, this, this is my ear. Stefanicshow.augustininstitute.org. Can we get a better URL than that? <laughs> we're going to work on that. Stephanicshow.augustininstitute.org. Super long URL.com. Uh, but, you know, it's, it, once you find it, click on it, save it as one of your favorites. You won't lose it. And just, just share the whole page with your friends. It's a great place to go and get all of our backlogged episodes and this beautiful stuff. Brian asks, when in history was the world a Christian society? It's a great question. Uh, and I, I depend on, I, I guess it depends on what you really mean by Christian society. You know, Gandhi complained that um, he'd follow Jesus if his followers looked more like him. You know, so I, I would say that we became a Christian society right after the Emperor Constantine uh, received the gospel of Jesus Christ. And in a lot of ways, we did. That became the mainstream, right? It became now, it went from, we're going to feed you to lions to, in, you know, in the 300s. Now it's cool to be, not only cool, but advantageous for your promotion and for your status in society to be a Christian. The times it's gone off the rails, obviously, is one that hasn't informed uh, the, the people who were in high places how they interacted with the poor, how they spent their money, uh, how they you know, used their military force with non-Christians, right? Uh, so there's certainly not a perfect track record to where I would say this was a, any place was a perfectly Christian society. But for, for well over a thousand years, society was predominantly Christian. And although there's imperfections found and the horrible things you find throughout history in any society, I think that it's fair to say the seeds of the gospel were growing in society in different cultures around the world. 
Some people think it's bad to be a, quote, culture warrior, to try to defend culture. You know, I see culture as a shrine around the body of Christ, which is the people of God. And that shrine is formed in different eras, in different places, in different ways. It becomes Catholic culture when it, it protects and lets those seeds of the gospel grow to where Jesus is valued above all else. And, and that if something is found that's not Christ-like in a society and identified as slavery, for instance. It, it was a Christian society that promoted slavery in the New World, but also ended it. I think it might be the only time in history that a society self-regulated and did away with slavery, right? Uh, but because it was a, a predominantly Christian society, once it became clear that this is the way to follow Jesus, uh, it, it became the way society moved, right? So to be a culture warrior in a lot of ways is a good thing, that you're protecting that, that shrine around the body of Christ, allowing the seeds of the gospel to grow. Um, when did we become post-Christian? You know, it, it, there's the Enlightenment, there's all sorts of things that happened throughout history that lessened the grip of Christianity on culture, especially the sexual revolution. You know, things are radically different since the 1960s. And I suppose I could talk for an hour on that, but I won't because it's a little depressing. From Protestant to Catholic with Jeremy Rivera. Chia asks, is that Chia or Sia? C-I-A. C-I-A. What a cool name. Asks, I've never seen the word Protestant or, or Protestant or Catholicism in the Bible. Why? Well, because these are terms that we came up with after the fact. You know, but some people think that because it's not in the Bible, it's therefore not something that we should even talk about. Uh, let me tell you another funny word that's not in the Bible. Trinity. The word's actually not in the Bible, guys. It's not there. The Trinity is all over the Bible, but the word is not in the Bible, right? So there's a lot of things in the Bible that are the seeds that grow into our contemporary understanding or, or phrases or words that we use now. The fact that it's not, it, nowhere in the Bible does it say that we should only use words that are in the Bible. <laughs> so, but the word Catholic means universal. And in the very early church, it's how some of the first early Christians started to describe themselves. That it's this universal beauty that encompasses the experience of reality, of humanity, of, of different rites within the church. You have the Roman rite, the Ambrosian rite, the Byzantine rite, the, 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 and under Byzantine, the Maronite, Melkite, and all these things are embraced and brought up, and we're, even though we're different, we're one in Jesus Christ. Catholic, universal. I think it's a beautiful way to, to describe <coughs> who we are. Our last name's Catholic, Christian. First name's Catholic. Amen? It's a good life. All right. Video question. Okay, we had a couple people send in video questions when I threw out the word that we're going to be doing this. So let's see the first video question. On your Marx cassette, go. Hi, Chris. I wanted to ask you about humility. The more that I've been reading about the saints, the more I realize how important humility truly is in the faith journey. So I wanted to ask you this. How do we live out humility in this day and age? Thanks. This is a this is a really hard one. I want to comment, too, on the importance of humility. Uh, I was, one of the early Franciscan saints, and I'm forgetting who right now, said that the four more, most important virtues are humility, 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 and humility. <laughs> right? The devil, I, I, you know, I, it's like an impenetrable shield for the devil. Really. And I think about this in my own life. I think, think about this in my own marriage. I mean, there's a lot of flaws that I have that could bring down a relationship, right? But 
when you have humility safeguarding from all the flaws within yourself, from the, the attacks of the devil, from the attacks of the world, the world, the flesh, the devil, the three sources of, of temptation, when you have humility, every setback becomes a setup for a comeback. Boom! Everything. Let's say you're brought low by, by some kind of dysfunction in your own heart from your past. Guess what happens? If you have humility, you say, I'm, I'm not okay, and that's okay. So I'm going to go to counseling. And if you watch the episodes with me and Natalie, you'll see how much our wounds have brought us close together. I, I, have, I have some good friends who, like, I've tried to talk them into going to counseling, and they're like, nah, I just don't want to deal with that. Because that would require letting yourself be broken. And uh, I think there's some pride that they're trying to work through that won't let them admit that. Guys, we're all broken. We all need a Savior. We all need each other's help, right? Uh, humility. If you fall into sin, I mean, the Bible tells us that all things work out for the good for those who love and serve the Lord. This includes, this is a mystical thing. I'm not recommending that you go sin, of course, but this includes your sins. When you mess up, if you give that to the Lord, He turns that around and he turns the experience into one of, of growing in humility, of recognizing that you need a Savior, of learning hard lessons, of knowing the joy of struggling with the Lord's grace out of whatever ditch you've fallen into, and then summiting again and saying, ah, oh, I'm free, I know the freedom of virtue. I mean, all these things come about because of our mess-ups when and if we're humble. And if we're not humble, everything we experience in ourselves is broken, or every sin that we commit, every way we break the law of God, just cracks us and brings us down. How to with humility? Uh, I, I would say this, guys. Just because pride's a weird sin. Okay, it can express itself in so many ways. But if you're sensitive to what's going on in your heart, you just know when it's there. I gotta leave it with that. You know when you're being when when pride is operating inside of you. When you're thinking, not uh, humility, I've heard a great phrase, it's not when you're, you're, you're thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less, right? If you're thinking of yourself too much, of your status, of leveraging things in your life. Uh, in Philippians, you know, Jesus didn't deem equality with God something to be grasped. Rather, he emptied himself and took the form of a slave. And the, the Greek there, grasped, isn't a great translation though it's usually grasped, it's leveraged. He didn't deem equality with, with the Father, something to be leveraged, but he emptied himself and took the form of a slave. When you're looking through your life and trying to leverage every contact, every success for something bigger, for something better, then your life is becoming about you. And if you're watchful, if you do an examination of your conscience regularly, you can see it start to well up even before it starts to express itself in action. And I would say in those moments, Start to beg God for humility. You know, he doesn't always answer those prayers for a million bucks. <laughs> he doesn't always answer those prayers for physical healing. I got to tell you, he always answers the prayers for humility. The litany of humility is a great litany. It's a little dangerous to pray it, right? Uh, but it's a great, if you look up litany of humility, or just ask the Lord. You know, I, I, was, I was at the Napa conference this weekend. I was doing a... By the grace of God, I was doing a great job, and I was really hitting the mark and making a difference in a lot of people's lives, and I could feel it happen to me. I woke up one morning, I'm like, wow, I'm surrounded by, well, this, this is one of these weird little settings where I'm actually famous within a quarter square mile, right? Like, everybody knows me within that quarter square mile. It's funny when people who are Catholic famous think that they're actually famous, 
Because all you have to do to realize that you're not actually famous is go to Walgreens two miles away and no one recognizes you. <laughs> right? So perspective. But as I, I started to feel kind of elated, like, oh, this is awesome. I, you know, it, and I recognized that my, my head was set on me a little much. And I just I woke up, I stared at this cross for a while. I'm like, Lord, I don't like that train of thought and feeling inside of me. And I want to please you. Would you please help me here? Help me. Help me not fall into that. Help me get out of my head. And just be me. Um, and those reminders from, from God that come through other people too. I, I gave a, a seven, six years ago, today, I was preaching at World Youth Day in John Paul II's uh, hometown of Krakow, which was one of the most profound experiences of my life. I mean, I, he came to me as a kid at World Youth Day. Here I go to Krakow, Poland, and I, and I talked to 60,000 people in these arenas for three days. Talk about elating, right? And I got off stage, and the woman who booked me, Sister Maris Stella, uh, saintly sister here in Denver, she said, Chris, stay small because then God could use you. So if you have people who love you enough too, they're going to tell you when your head's getting a little inflated or they're going to warn you before it's coming. So there's a couple tips. Annie asks, how can you tell the voice of God from a voice in your head? What a fantastic question. God speaks to us through very natural means, all right? So there's a couple ways that God talks to you. <clears throat> one, and the most basic one, is through his word. And if something in your head conflicts what's in his word, it's wrong. <laughs> All right? God's not going to contradict himself. But the most basic way he speaks is through his word. And uh, I, I read the word every morning, sometimes for a half hour. Okay, I'll just wake up, I'll read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, read, read, read the, uh, the epistles of St. Paul. And I, I ask God, speak to me through your word. And I follow in that prayerful, grace-filled state what words latch, latch onto my heart or what, what images hit my imagination. And I see in that that the Lord's talking to me because he promises us that he is, his word is living and effective, sharper than any two-edged sword. That's what the word tells us about the word. And Jesus himself is the word. So as I read the word, I'm encountering the word that is Jesus, and I'm trusting. I'm trusting that these things that, that well up in my soul are from him in those moments. And I follow, and I give time to ruminate on those things. So he speaks through his word. <clears throat> he speaks through people in your life. All right, he's not usually going to speak through a direct blast in with this moment. I mean, uh, St. Teresa of Avila, who actually got visions. He's one of those rare saints who got visions of Jesus. She said, never presume to go into to prayer without spiritual reading. Don't presume God's just going to blast him like that. You know, but create that space and know that he is talking to you through his word. Uh, so there's that. There's the ordinary events of everyday life. There's other people. There's, there's reality as it presents itself to you. God speaks through these things. Right? Uh, this is St. Ignatius of Loyola. He dreamt of marrying a princess, and he, he didn't feel peaceful when he dreamt of this afterwards because he thought, okay, that in that lack of peace, that's a sign that it's not God. But let me tell you what the other sign was and he perceived this rightly as well, that it wasn't realistic, right? So that door wasn't open. God was speaking to him as he, as he dreamt, can I marry this princess? God was saying, no. How, how was God saying no? I didn't hear God say no. God said no through your life, Ignatius, right? And so he, he had the peace to recognize reality and respond to it. People that you trust, God's going to talk through them all the time and give you sound advice. But how do you know when a word in your heart is from God? This is a tough one, okay? Um, it's, 
very memorable. The content of it is often not from you, and you just kind of know that. And I could share story after story. I only have five minutes, so I won't do that. But there's been times where some <laughs> realization has come into my heart and mind that it's, it's memorable, it's clearly not for me, and it's like it's all at once. There could be a, a sentences of information from our Lord, but it's like <laughs> impressed upon my mind all at one time. Father Ripperger, who uh, we're going to show his shows in a couple weeks, uh, he, he talked about one time that he just, he was, it was clear, he didn't hear it with his ears, but in his heart, that Our Lady spoke to him. He's like, she made three points at one time. And he clearly remembered them, and they were not from him. And they were lovingly convicting him of something. Uh, most of the time when God speaks to me, he's like course correcting. Chris, let me help you with this one, dude. You're doing this wrong, all right? Uh, so, and, and, it, and it comes off, even though it's course correction, I'd say this is maybe the, the fourth thing that, it, you know, it's memorable uh, all at once. Uh, clearly not from you, I'd say that, it's, that, it's, that it builds you up. All right, the evil one is going to speak to you words that tear you down. The Lord, even if it's very convicting, he, he is love. So he speaks to us words that build up our soul. And those words don't contradict his word, which again is the foundation of our listening. If you're just talking to God all the time, you don't have a listening heart. Spend time listening. Or you end up wasting so much time. I don't have time to have like an hour. I have to make an hour of prayer in the morning. I don't have time to do that. Well, then, Chris, you're going to waste a lot of time doing all sorts of ministry initiatives that God could care less about and maybe you won't be that good at. <laughs> I've been there, bro. I've been there so many times. Okay, another video question popped in. Let's see this. Hey, Chris, I've got a question for you. Um, Pope Francis teaches a lot of things that St. Francis or St. Thomas Aquinas wouldn't agree with and would even call heresy. So how can Pope Francis be the Pope of the Catholic Church if he doesn't hold the same Catholic faith as the saints? Well, that was a bomb, <laughs> right? That was a huge question. Look, um, there's way, okay, and, and my, my answer to this is, is, uh, has a couple levels to it, okay? Um, one, I think people today throw around the word heresy way too lightly. I've heard a lot of people, especially online, accuse Pope Francis of heresy in a lot of different areas that are either not heresy, but rather maybe just vague or confusing, right? Uh, or if there's something a little off in it, <clears throat> that, that, that the presumption that it's heresy and that that person is a heretic, uh, uh, when the person hasn't even been challenged on it or hasn't had a chance to retract or hasn't clarified or, or hasn't uh, been told you're, you're breaking with church teaching, reform yourself, uh, to, 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 uh, to ignore that and just jump to that person's a heretic, uh, it's, I, I would say you need to do a little more research into what heresy is. Okay? Uh, so that's one part of my response. Another one. Uh, there's ways that our, our beliefs grow over the centuries to where things aren't going to sound exactly the same as, as Francis or Thomas Aquinas. All right. Now, when the Pope says things that sound confusing, how could he possibly be the Pope? If he said something that's like, that seems to be opening a door to a worldly agenda. And I won't deny that Pope Francis has said things that have left me totally confused where I'm not going to make a presumption that he is in uh, heresy, that he's a formal heretic, but that I've heard something that's confusing. Now, a lot of people think if you're going to be a faithful Catholic, you can't even say 
I don't agree with the Pope's stance on that. That's not true. Galatians 2.11 shows that Paul challenged Peter and opposed him to his face and then bragged about it to his community. Well, could you imagine a bishop clashing with the Pope on something? That bishop must not be a faithful Catholic. Well, I guess Paul was not a faithful Catholic. <laughs> Dude, you're not understanding the papacy correctly if you think it's not possible to disagree with the Pope on anything. All right? The, the charism of infallibility and the authority the Pope has to lead don't mean that the Pope can't ever say anything in any context wrong. Infallibility is limited to very specific set of criteria. The Pope's authority to lead, even if you disagree with decisions he's making, is real and it's from God, but it doesn't mean it's something that no one can ever question or disagree with in any way, shape, or form. I think we've honestly, uh, after decades of uh, you know John Paul II, Pope Benedict, uh, and then leading into Francis, I, I, I think we've fallen into almost an idolatry around the papacy that Jesus never intended. But let me tell you something else that Galatians shows us. The fact that Peter journeyed to Jerusalem to check in with, I'm sorry, that Paul journeyed to Jerusalem to meet Peter, to check in with him, and to disagree with him about something, shows that Peter, even though he wasn't 100% right about everything all the time, certainly wasn't right in how he said everything all the time, it shows that the papacy mattered enough, that it's real, that the authority from Jesus Christ is real. So, uh, when you find yourself disagreeing with something the Pope says or does, uh, you can, it's okay to do that and to still be a Catholic if the Pope isn't speaking infallibly. You know, for instance, he's speaking at an, at a, informally at an air, on an airplane uh, in an interview off the cuff. Guys, that's not guarded by papal infallibility and fully bonding on all the faithful, everything he says, the way he said it in an airplane interview, all right? If you think it is, you're falling into popolatry. I'm not kidding you, it's wrong, all right? Um, so it, it's okay to take issue with some things, but I would say, especially because of that authority that belongs to Pope Francis from Jesus, passed down from, from you know, apostolic succession, uh, Let's hold back in, in jumping to the conclusion that the Pope is, is a heretic or in heresy and be respectful of the Pope and pose things as, as questions as faithful sons of the church. Wow, that, that 30 minutes went by pretty dang quick. And that was a great closer, honestly. Thanks for the uh, honesty of the question. Thanks for just, just laying that out there, man. I love you guys. We will see you next week. Man, wasn't that great? Listen, if you don't want to be happy, be sure not to subscribe. But if you want a more joyful life, the kind of life that God created you for, the kind of life Jesus promised when he said, I came to give you life to the full, then make sure you hit subscribe and share this channel with everybody you know.